Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., today on the podcast, we have Shannon Miles, yes. who wrote a book called The Third Option. Yes. And it is really specifically for women mm-hmm. who feel like they have to choose between their career or their families. Yeah. And they don't. Yeah. There's she a, didn't. Well, she did for a yeah, minute. Yeah, she thought she had to. And, and then, experienced deep pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And decided that she didn't want to and created her own third option. I don't have kids. Yep. Betsy and I hope to start a family, yeah. but right now we don't. But we have hired people who've come in and left their kids for the first time. Yeah. And it's painful. Tim, Tim recently. Just, <laughs> yeah. Tim, who, the most adorable child. That's right. On our staff. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> and he, well, you know. It's, it's the newest. It's the size it's of a football. Newest. He's a baby. And, you know, it's hard. Judson. It's hard to leave. Yeah. And talking to Shannon reminded me, I don't know if I ever told you this about my mother. Single mom. Dad split when I was two or three, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mom worked at an oil refinery. She worked as a secretary at oil refinery. Never made more than $26,000 the whole time I was growing up. So until I was about 20 when I left home, that's what she did. Yeah. And I just assumed that's kind of who she was. Yeah. And she went back after I left the house. Mm-hmm. My sister and I left the house. She went back and got her bachelor's degree. She went to night school. Uh-huh. She was in her mid-50s. Late 50s. She got her bachelor's degree and then her master's degree yeah. in business and then retired. <laughs> and I asked her Which why. It's kind of amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. She retired. She never used, she did, she had no intention of using the, either of those degrees. Yeah. And I said, why? And she just said, I just wanted you to know you come from a family of people who can do things. She never made us feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, you know, she did 20 years of working a secretary's job. So that she could raise a couple kids yeah. and still have nights and weekends. And the, it's tough. Yeah. Another part is she retired and then Enron collapsed and she lost 90 something percent of her retirement. Oh my gosh. They gave her an early retirement and then yeah. she had no money. And so she put herself back on the job market. Now, my yeah. mom was a simple woman, frugal, reused Ziploc bags. When we went to a yep. baseball game, we were in the cheap seats. We made our own popcorn yeah. before we left and yeah. hid it in my mother's purse. <laughs> and she got a job at a high-end interior design firm yeah. outside of Houston yep. where they start at about 50 grand. And she came in as their accountant, essentially, a part-time accountant in order to make ends meet. And immediately found out that the person she replaced had stolen money from the company. Oh, no. <laughs> to, oh, I mean, no. it's like a lot of money. Oh, my gosh. And it's a long story, but that person is in jail now. I would imagine. And mom was the hero. You know, I watched her go buy all new clothes, love going oh. to work every day. It was just really amazing. I definitely live a privileged life. There's no question as a white man yeah. in this country. I mean, if people are going to argue with me about that all day long, I say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there are things that we, doors open that we don't realize are opening. Yeah, yeah. But we grew up poor, so it had that strike against me. Yeah. But I think for a woman, I think the opportunities are better than ever, but you do kind of have to force your way in yeah. a little bit. You can't be a victim, but you got to force your way in, and women are starting to do it, and I love seeing it. But... Here to educate us, JJ, on the perils of being a woman in today's economy and having dreams, being talented. You know, there's another lesson here, by the way, if you're not a woman, and that is Shannon realized she had some talents that were worth a lot, and she negotiated with the company to buy those talents from her, 
and had nothing to do with the hours that she could spend or those kinds of things. You are probably, a sub-theme of this interview, you are probably worth more than you think. Yeah. And you want to leverage that and negotiate it. Shannon Miles is co-CEO of a company called Belay Solutions. We actually interviewed her husband, Brian Miles, not too, too long ago about how to get along and have a good relationship with your executive assistant. Yeah. She is co-founder, co-CEO of that company. They are doing incredibly well, and she knows what she's talking about. So, JJ, I'm curious as to what you think of this conversation. I don't want to wait anymore. Here's my conversation with Shannon Miles. Shannon, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Your book, Third Option, it starts with your personal life, like some things that happened to you that I think are a pretty common story where you were torn between kind of staying at home, being a mom, and having a career. And my wife is right there. Like she loves, you know, running the house. She's kind of queen of the house. And our house is 200 overnight guests a year. I mean, it's just, wow. it's, it's basically a, a conference center. <laughs> it is. But then she, I stole her from a career. And so she, every once in a while, she looks at me and says, you took me from my life. <laughs> <laughs> a choice many of us have to make. <laughs> That's exactly it. And your book is about that. And a lot of women think, okay, it's either stay at home with kids or it's have a career, but you can't figure out a third option. Or the third option is untenable. They've done it for a while and it's just not working. You say you can actually make it work. Absolutely. I don't believe you. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Prove your point. <laughs> Tell me what was going on that you just said, okay, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So in 2005, I had been working for a large corporation for about six years at that point. Loved my job, loved climbing the corporate ladder, had finally landed like my dream job in that company. Hmm. And so, hey, let's have a baby. Like, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so, Brian and you I... Were, you wanted to have a kid. And did you sort of premeditate this is going to affect my career and this thing that I built? You know, I largely underestimated the impact this baby would have. <laughs> but, you know, Brian and I had been married eight years at that point. So we felt yeah. like it was time to start. Fortunately, we were able to have Rainy right away. And the plan was always for me to go back to work mm -hmm. because I had that job that I loved. And I thought... Oh, I'll just get a nanny, line up childcare, it'll be fine. What I didn't estimate is the impact that she would have on my heart. Yeah. And I think a lot of women are almost taken off guard by that impact. Just super surprised by it. There's some things that happen, some chemical whatever. Yeah, like you're holding this baby and you're like, yeah, I know somebody else can take care of her, but she's mine, you yeah. know, and they develop so quickly and so many things change in those early months. You felt that like you, you were missing. If you miss much, you miss a lot, you know? Yeah. And so I did, I took a three month maternity leave and did you plan that three month maternity leave? Mm -hmm. It was all in, baked in. Okay, It was all baked in. And I should mention too, part of what complicated the situation is I was in sales and Brian was in sales. Okay. So he was traveling like a crazy person. I gotcha. had a more local territory, but it was still pretty demanding. And I think when you have two people that are traveling and then you throw a baby in the mix, that's just not sustainable. Right. So that was part of the pull also. So went back to work after that planned three-month leave. Did you guys have a nanny or how'd you figure we that did. out? We okay. did. We found a nanny. She you had some um, family support? At that point, it was just the nanny. Like my mom and my mother-in-law were in the area, but we hadn't factored them into right. like childcare. 
But then, you know, over the course of about four months, it was just becoming obvious that this wasn't going to work anymore. So four months back at the office. Back at the office. <laughs> you really did. Trying to pick did up you, more accounts. Did you not want to be there or did you sort of want to be there and you wanted both from the beginning or did you say, I don't want a career anymore. I want to be home. I wanted it all. <laughs> you wanted it all. Okay. I wanted. The problem to, is you couldn't juggle both. It's not you that really, you had decided I wanted to be a, just a mom. I couldn't have all of everything. I right. had to give in some areas. And what I realized when I was on maternity leave is somebody came into my role in a part-time project management position to like manage all the issues that I was working on. And so when I left for leave, my boss was like, oh my gosh, she's not even selling in here. Like they have so many problems. Let me put this person in part-time to continue working on the issues so that when she comes back, she can hmm. be more focused on what she should be focused on, which is selling. But my philosophy was if they're dealing with all these issues, they're not going to buy anything from me anyway, so I may right. as well resolve those. So what happened was this part-time position became available in a sense while I was out, just in the void of me being gone. And so when I came back to sell, still loved it, but like I said, I was missing so much with Rainy. My heart just wasn't as in it as it was before. Right. And so I wore like my best suit, you know, and I got my nice heels that I walked into my boss's office and I was like, hey, you know, I really want to stay with the company, but I think that I have to quit because this isn't working for me. And so at that point, I thought my, my only option was to just quit the job, stay home, even though I didn't want to do it, but I didn't know that a part-time thing was even possible. Right. And so when this other job kind of became available, I thought maybe I'll just do that for a season. So did you negotiate that right then? I would like to do I, this instead of this? I tried to. <laughs> oh, you tried. <laughs> and I laid out my plan for him. I was like, I'll do this part-time project management thing for a season, get paid out my back commissions, and then just stay home. That seemed like the only other option I had. And he said no. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> wow. And he was just like, no, we'll just get you some more accounts. You can manage it. It'll be fine. And wait, wait, so he wouldn't let you quit? No. Oh, I thought he said no to the part-time job. He, he said no he said to no all to, of it. <laughs> is like, he allowed no. to do that? I, I think know. there's laws against that. <laughs> I, well, he probably did a lot of things he shouldn't have done. But um, <laughs> well, That's another episode. That's a whole other, we don't even need to get into that yeah. Me Too stuff. But <laughs> no, I think he just didn't want to have to replace me. You know, it was yeah. an inconvenience to him, which I understood. But I was so resolved that this was the right thing for me and for my family and ultimately, you know, to phase out my career. And I couldn't afford to totally quit, you know, for a mm -hmm. season of time. We had to get our finances in order. And so when he said no, I went home and kind of regrouped and Brian and I talked. And then I went and met with his boss and proposed the same plan. And he said, absolutely, let's make it work. You went around him. I did. That's I love that. I had That's to. That's why he couldn't let you go, because you're the sort of person who had that sort of initiative anyway. <laughs> I was like, I'm in sales. I have to sell this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I had earned some credibility with my boss's yeah. boss, and we had worked on some opportunities well, together. There's an important and... lesson there, because I remember years ago, we hired a young lady, and she had a family, and you know, just brand new family, those sorts of things. Tried it for days and just realized it wasn't. And she actually left, and I found out later, because I wasn't in the office every day, and I remember thinking, well, we could have made something work. Didn't realize there was, hey, let's just sit creatively and figure out, you know, what we can do here. I'm not saying it would have worked, but I just thought, well, there are other things we could have done. Yeah, and I think it's worth the conversation. You don't have to just look at the choices that are obvious in front of you. Like, yeah. get creative. Binary is the enemy of creativity. That's my new mantra. I love that. If you only think there are two options, you're missing the other 998 that are possibly on the table. Exactly. Not so that, I, not I, that there are only 1,000 options. There may be more, but you know what I mean. <laughs> 
I just think, you know, especially I'm speaking from a woman's perspective, obviously, but like I think we just assume that you're either climbing the ladder, you know, finding the next great position in a company and taking on the next opportunity or you're staying home with your kids. And it doesn't have to be that way. We need to just imagine like if no was taken off the table, what would we do differently? Hmm. We need to dream bigger. Yeah. Was there ever a point, and I'm curious about your story, was there ever a point where you were home with Rainey and you loved it, but you also felt the same kind of longing that you did when you were at work and apart from her, was there ever kind of the opposite pain point? I should clarify. So like I said, I thought my choice was, let me just do this part-time deal for a, a bit, get paid out my commissions and then be done. But it just kept working. Gotcha. So I never actually... Quit. So you just found the solution. I just found this perfect 20 hour a week, work from home, go to the client side a day or two a week position that just continued to work for our family. And it was at that point that we let the nanny go. And part of what made this work is our moms helped uh, yeah. out. And yeah. so even when I wasn't with her, I knew she was being cared for by people who Walk loved me through, because I think there are a lot of women who are curious about, okay, what does this actually look like? Walk me through... I understand a typical day is going to be different, but yeah. maybe a week. What happens in a week when you made this decision? What does life look like? Okay, that was almost 13 years ago. Okay. I've forgotten a lot of things since then, but I do remember, you know, everything just took longer in those early, you know, months of her life. Like she spit up after every meal, so it was a lot of yeah. laundry. And I remember trying to organize her day and my day in such a way that it would all work. And then she just wouldn't take a nap, you know, like best so effort. So you can't make that call that you're supposed to be on at two o'clock because yeah, something has come up. Yeah, it is a struggle. Up. And I say in the book, like you choose the third option, but then you have to keep choosing it every day because mm. every day is going to look different. You're going to be thrown curveballs from your clients. Your kid's not going to sleep when you think she is, or you're going to be late for something. And it, But it doesn't mean you have to abandon it. Yeah. It was still the right choice. You just have to navigate those different changes and different seasons and keep making the decision. Yeah, especially the kid. It's not a controllable situation. As it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have a little litmus too. test in the book is what was working for you no longer working? These are questions to ask yourself if you need to consider a third option. What would you trade for a better quality of life? It's a great question. Have you noticed your job negativity affecting your personality? Do you feel drained of energy after work? Has your excitement for your job waned? Do you complain a lot about your job? Are your personal obligations slipping because of your job? I think probably a good percentage of the people listening to this podcast would say, yes, 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 yes. Check, check, check. <laughs> but then you have some tips on what to do about it. And I want to get into those. Now, we're not going to be able to summarize the entire book. But you actually offer, hey, you've made it work, and we'll get into what you're doing now, which is very different. Mm -hmm. You're basically co-running a big company or a successful company, yeah. a growing company. But do you still keep guards on? I mean, your kids are older. They are. Yeah. Uh, so we not have older, son. older, though. I mean, they can't be home alone, right? Not yet. Not, We're yeah. so close. So close. There's, <laughs> there's light at the end of that tunnel. It's a driver's license Yeah. So up. Rainey's 12, Harper's 9, yeah. our son. And yeah, throughout the different seasons, working third option work or part-time, whatever, it's sometimes easier than others. Yeah. But I think we have to just get really real with ourselves and ask ourselves, like, is this working for me anymore? Right. Like seasons change and you may not have the same ambition or drive that you once did. Or maybe you want to pursue something else personally that just this 40 hour a week, two hour commute doesn't afford you. So I think just getting really honest about the quality of your life and how you define success. You guys have a good size successful company now we and do. you have some financial leeway. 
But in this season of life, you didn't. No. So you're not talking about this isn't born out of luxury. No, it, you made it was some a financial sacrifices to do this. We did. We did. And I would make them all again. Yeah. Because it's funny. What? Can you tell me why? Because you fill the space you have. You spend the money you earn. You know, if you have a house with four rooms, you're going to find a way to fill all four of those rooms. That's true. Could you do with two? Sure, probably. You know, so I think, you know, we just had to find a way to live within and under our means. And I go into the book a lot about our, our financial situation because I think it is a barrier for people to choose this third option. They think I have to make a certain amount of money to have the certain quality of life. And I struggled with that too. But like I said earlier, redefining success, it isn't about how much you make. It's about how you value your time. Hmm. It seems like you might have also dealt with the pressure. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes as much as I can. With me, a lot of my drive for success is about time. It's about we've got a window and we've got a window to grow this company and you're not going to get this window again, which may be a lie. I don't know. If it is a lie, it's a lie I believe. Mm -hmm. It's a lie that drives me. And I would think you've got two windows and they seem to be opposing each other. The window of your career, right? Which, you know, you got about 20 years that you can build this thing and then you ride leverage for maybe the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And you've got a window of these kids who you're not going to get to raise them twice, right? Right. Most of my friends who've had children have said they wish they could pause the clock. They just wish they could pause the clock for a while it and enjoy fast. each season because it's just, it's, what I've heard is days go slow, years go fast. That is, <laughs> that is the truest thing ever said. And, you know, I think the guys listening to this too can relate. I mean, they struggle with balancing family and career, especially if you add travel into the mix and you look at the time you're spending away. And I think especially the younger generation, they're so involved in their children's lives and they too don't want to sacrifice that time mm -hmm. for their career. So mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a shift in culture in general that a lot of people can relate to. Prime example, you know, when Brian was traveling for his company that he worked for before we started Belay, he was on maybe six flights a week. Like, it was crazy. Wow. Right? Like, that's not life. That's so you're just not home. Not home at all. And at that time, Rainey was five, Harper was two, and he basically had no relationship with Harper. And well, it wasn't until- I know until, your husband well enough to know that that was heartbreaking for him. But it wasn't until he quit that he realized the impact was that was missing. having. Uh. Because then he was home more, and he started to form a bond with Harper that he just didn't, you know, you just do what you have to yeah. do. You do the next right thing. And one day you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never home. Mm -hmm. This doesn't work. Mm -hmm. When he and I quit our jobs in 2010 to start Belay, we saw everything change in our lives. What the third option looked like for me then, I was working more hours for half the pay yeah. <laughs> and loving every minute of it. I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Shannon Miles in just a moment. But first, how's your marketing working? Are you satisfied with it? Are you convinced you're doing everything that you can do to gain new customers? Or, like many businesses, do you feel like you're spending money and it's not working? Or do you feel like technology is passing you by? You're not on social media. You're not running Facebook ads. You don't have an email lead generator. You're not sending out email blasts that are converting people to become customers. If you're not, Sign up for the next StoryBrand Live Marketing Workshop. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. It starts April 29th, the evening of April 29th through May 1st. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to spend a day and a half with me and some facilitators clarifying your message, and then another half day 
going through the story brand marketing roadmap. That is, we're going to teach you to create a one-liner. That's one sentence you can say to grow your business, wireframe a website, create a lead generator, and run an email campaign that gets results. In other words, you're going to spend about $3,000 to be there, and you are going to greatly multiply that on the collateral that you actually learn to create. If you come and execute our plan, it will make you a lot of money. It will help you grow your business. You are probably not going to be able to do this on your own in your own time. And so come see us. Get it done in about 48 hours. Plus, Nashville is a beautiful city and a lot of fun in the spring. Don't wait. Go to storybrand.com and register for the next workshop today. Again, it starts April 29th through May 1st. Get your flight, book your hotel, and be there when we all get together in Nashville. Register at storybrand.com. Okay, I want to go through nine tips that you recommend. One is analyze over commitment. Do not live to meet someone else's expectations. This is a hard one. This has been the theme in my thinking for the past maybe three weeks. Really? Yeah, it really has been. Very Just, timely. And part of that because I'm trying to organize more of my life right now. My wife and I will ask us, why are we doing this? Yeah. What part of this is people pleasing? <laughs> and that's a tough question. It's like, <laughs> and then whenever you answer, you go, Okay, so how do we get out of this while also people pleasing that? You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're such a cool guy. Everybody wants to hang out with you. Oh, thanks. You know, yeah. like you just, I'm trying to do less of that. I'm trying to be a close talker. I don't brush my teeth anymore. It's it's working. People don't want to hang out with me as much. Anyway, over commitment though. It can be self-imposed or it can be external, but it, it is a struggle. I think that everybody can identify. What with. What did you do about it? Last year was the year of no for me. Really? That was the theme yeah, and somebody, You're the first person I've ever heard say that, and it seems like everybody I know, including me, needs to make this the year oh, of no. It was so liberating. I was just like, no, I'm not going to sign up for that. I'm not going to volunteer for that. I'm not going to take that dinner. I'm not going to uh, FOMO make didn't that hit trip. you? And listen, FOMO is real for me. I'm a three. <laughs> I am all oh, yeah. about some FOMO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Enneagram, by the way, yes, listeners. sorry. <laughs> listen, <laughs> to, listen to the Incron episode that. and come back. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So I get the pull of trying to people please and do everything because it feels satisfying in the moment. But all of those little commitments add up to a lack of freedom. Mm -hmm. And then you're just obligated. And who wants to live that way? Yeah. So I would challenge somebody make this your year of no. Okay. Home as a haven. Take care of your home. Take care of yourself. When we work outside of the home, the home becomes a burden that we have to manage right. or care for. But when you work inside your home virtually, it needs to be a place that you love and enjoy and fosters creativity. And so instead of it becoming an obligation or something that you have to just deal with, it becomes like almost a conduit for your work and your creativity. Yeah, a lot of people, home is the part-time job. They come home from one job and home is the other job. And in fact, we interviewed Stephen Mansfield and he talked about Oh, I think it was like 10 signs that a leader is going to crash. Hmm. And one of them is the leader has created a third place. Hmm. So they have the work, they have the home, and then they have the place where they can be themselves. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I'm like, crazy. well, something happened at home because the home is where you should be yourself. What did you practically do to make home a haven? I don't do all of my housework anymore. <laughs> I have a lot of people on the team that will be a virtual assistant just so they can afford a house cleaner and yeah. not have to do the housework <laughs> themselves, which I totally respect. Who wants to clean toilets? I mean, honestly, really practical stuff. Like my mom is still like she's with our kids right now. Yeah. And so I know that when I go home, 
the dishes will be done, the laundry will be done, the kids will be cared for, what the lunch will be packed. What do you say to somebody listening, and I think most of our listeners are probably leaders running companies, those sorts of things. They may already have tackled some of this stuff. What do you say to somebody who you know, can't afford that right now? And they would say, I want my home to be a haven, but I do have to clean. I do have to cook. I have to do the stuff that keeps a home alive. That's fair. It could be a seasonal thing, too. I think you also have to be honest about the value of your time. Mm. And if you spent those hours building your business or selling or networking or doing some high payoff activities, you actually might be able to afford yeah. more assistance than you think. Yeah, the opportunity cost. I recently got a dry cleaner, chose a different dry cleaner who delivers. They pick up and mm-hmm. deliver because I realized I was spending an hour a week going back and forth to the dry cleaner. And, and your time is more valuable more, than yeah, that. Time is way more valuable than the extra eight bucks per order of laundry or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And I say get the kids involved too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. As soon as they're old enough. There's no you're child not, labor laws no. in the house. When you're putting away your laundry, you're not helping mommy. Right. You're putting away your, your laundry, laundry that yeah. you wore and got dirty. Yeah. And so it's sort of a mind shift, I think, sometimes where women take on the responsibility of the house. But the reality is we all live there. We yeah. all contribute to the dishes and the laundry and the dirty floors. Like, it's a team effort in my house. On this theme of Home as a Haven, you are co-CEO of Belay mm-hmm. with your husband. You guys are busy. You're like me and my wife, very similar in the sense that we have an office that's very close to our home. Mm-hmm. She's there most of the day. I'm there a lot. It's tempting to just talk business. Mm-hmm. Can you talk business in the house all the time and still make it a haven? Yes. You can. Because I love my business. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> we're, we're, we're really so the same much. way. And we get asked that question in a similar form a lot because we are a husband and wife who work together side by side. And we've just never put hard parameters around work and family because for us, it's all integrated. Hmm. And we want our kids to learn about business. We want them to know what it means for mom and dad to own a company and have responsibility for hundreds of people and, you know, a thousand clients. Like they need to know that. And that's why we travel, but that's why we're afforded opportunity for a vacation. Like we want them to understand that. And so we talk about work at the dinner table. Sometimes we'll be facing a, a decision or a challenge and our daughter will say, well, tell me what you guys are working on. And maybe I have an opinion on it. <laughs> well, it's a hard thing to prescribe because I think couples, families operate differently. Yeah. And even for me, there are times when I just feel this check in my spirit of stop talking about work. You guys need to connect on something else. It can't yeah. be all that we talk about. No, right? I remember early on, right after we started the business, I mean, that was crazy stressful. You're trying yeah. to figure out how to build this thing and you're wearing so many hats and, you know, it's financially a burden and like all the things. And there was one dinner that we went out on a date and we're like, no work talk at all. Like we both just needed that mental break. So I think it's being realistic and saying like, don't ask me about the finances when I'm watching American Idol. Like, (laughs) you know, you just have to have some parameters that work for you and your family. But for the most part, it's all integrated for me. Okay. Number three, big rocks, little rocks, needs over wants. This sounds vaguely familiar. I did not come up with the concept of Big Rock, Little Rock. Can you believe that? (laughs) But remind us all. I mean, there are things in your life that you're the only one that can do them. You're the only one that can exercise for yourself. We've not figured out a way to outsource that yet. You're the only one that can learn and read and grow spiritually and develop. Like There are certain things that are the big rocks that need to go in first. And that kind of goes into like the whole concept of self-care, but making sure that you're 
you're taking care of yourself first and then putting the little rocks around it. Can you just give us some practical tips of what that looks like for you? When you say take care of yourself first, and I'm a firm believer in this, even though there are people going, well, isn't that you know a prescription for selfishness? I think it's a prescription for strength of which you can give to others of yourself. Now, that can go too far. Mm-hmm. I have plenty of friends who burn themselves out and are no good to anybody. In fact, they end up in the hospital. Yeah. And the whole family is now taking care of them. Because they didn't take care of themselves. And then they end up resenting their jobs or their families or whatever. They don't take responsibility for the fact that they are the ones who burn themselves out. Exactly. Now, listen, my mom is the consummate servant. Like, she won't even sit down at the dinner table until everybody has all the things that they need. So I grew up in this you're last on the list environment. And I have a serving heart, too. So it's a natural tendency for me to put my needs last. But I found that when I do that... I'm not giving my best to anybody around me, to my employees or to my family. And so a practical example of how that plays out for me, and it kind of translates into how I've structured my time for this year, but Tuesday is a day of focusing on growing myself. Hmm. So every day I start with a gratitude journal, but then also on Tuesdays I go to like my favorite yoga class. Like, you know, when I should be taking a meeting or whatever, I carve out that time because I need it mentally and obviously physically, and it just makes me a better leader all around. This year, December, January, and some of February, I get to the gym and I'm in the pool first thing. I'm shocked at how much, I don't know if I'm more productive the rest of the day, but I'm less cranky. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because there was an hour where nobody could talk to me, unless you wanted to get into the water. (laughs) Which would be really hard. You should probably like die out of breath. (laughs) Believe me, there's somebody who's tried. And I'm like, no, I'm swimming. I'm not going to have this conversation right now. Well, and I don't know if you do this. I can talk myself out of working out like no problem. (laughs) So if it doesn't happen first thing in the morning. Yeah, yeah, you're not doing it. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Okay, multitasking. You've already covered this a little bit. Multitasking is overrated. Take care of yourself first. Why'd you put those together? Why is multitasking the enemy of taking care of yourself? Because I think it is you trying to be all things to all people Ah, at once. gotcha. The illustration that I use in the book, it still, I feel it when I tell the story. But Harper was a baby, and Rainey was, I guess, three. And at that point, I had bumped up my hours to 30 hours a week, still part-time, but more than I had initially started with. And they were both in the car. Harper was losing his mind, like Mm. crying like crazy. I'm on a conference call for work, right? And we're like in the public's parking lot because I also need to go get groceries so that I can go home and make dinner. Like it was all coming to a head. So I'm on this conference call. He's losing his mind. He starts making Rainy cry. She's like, I can't take this. I'm like, I can't really take it either. And I'm on mute, thanking God for the mute button. (laughs) And the client goes, so Shannon, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, no. So I go off mute, and I'm like, yeah, sounds good. I agree. Mute again. And I just I just screamed. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I realized in that moment I wasn't giving my client my best. I obviously wasn't giving my kids my best. And I was unnecessarily stressing myself out. Right. Like I was physically a mess. And yeah. so – At that moment, something shifted in me, and I was like, no more kids around when I'm working. I either can't be on the call or I need to have childcare. Like I was trying to do too many things all at once, and Mm -hmm. and that's what I mean about multitasking. You really 
and I'm a natural multitasker. You just there are times when you just need to just focus. <laughs> well, this goes into principle number five: ask for what you need. You cannot do it all. Yeah, and I kind of touched on that earlier. Yeah. But like, you don't have to be the one to do all the things. Yeah, they just have to get done. Yeah, you know, you just have to ask for help. We're in the phase of the company now where we're probably about twenty people live off us or so, or mm -hmm. maybe twenty-five, and we're just now to the place. And maybe this is I'm confessing my own arrogance here. <laughs> I'm finally realizing they get done better without me. Isn't that <laughs> I hate liberating, that it's taken that though? long. I, we're all walking in the room like, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's very good. That's a very good option. <laughs> and that's leadership. Because usually, because for years it was just me and Tim, and me and Tim thought about everything. Me and Tim did everything. And you know, now it's me and Tim and all these other people. I'm like, oh, wow. And I'm always shocked. What are we doing about that? Oh, we've already made three moves on that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well. That's the whole. You, you think know, people are worried that they're the only genius in the room? I think that can definitely be part of it, and I think that's where you see people limiting their leadership or their yeah. potential. Yeah. Because if you've got to be the one to do it all, your company is not going to grow at the pace that it would if you intentionally delegated and developed other leaders underneath you. Yeah. And I think the same is true personally. You know, if you're honest and saying like. I need help in these very practical areas of my life. It's not weakness. It's knowing who you are and, and what your strengths are mm -hmm. and where you need to be focusing your time. There's nothing selfish or weak about that. And finding people who can make up for your liabilities. I think it's a strength to even be able to understand that you have liabilities. Definitely. And then it's a strength to hire people who can do those things. I mean, even something as practical as my assistant, Mary Ellen, will say, okay, so you, you don't have yoga on your schedule for the next week, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to book you a <laughs> session. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> okay, number six. Choosing the path again. You're saying this is, you got to wake up and do this every day. You got to wake up and choose to do this every day. Yeah. What does that look like? Because everything is so seasonal, you know, as your kids grow or your career develops, um, your day is going to look different, you know, next year than it does today. Yeah. And I think there are going to be times when you've made a decision and then you maybe regret it or, or second guess it, yeah. but it doesn't mean it wasn't the right decision. You may just need to adjust some things. Yeah. And so like to the point I was making earlier, like you make the decision to pursue the third option, you know, to work part-time, to work virtually, and you have to keep making that decision over and over again because challenges will present themselves and you've got to overcome them and just yeah. keep moving forward. I think there are probably some people listening who say, well, this just sounds all very luxurious. It but does. you've got, you know, let the cat out of the bag here. Not only have you done this, but you guys have a company called Belay. And we've had your husband on before where mm -hmm. he talked about the fact that you guys provide virtual assistance for people. You have 450, mostly moms, who have made this decision through your company. Because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people doing this. Yeah. Okay, so seven is just say no, and we talked about that. I'm stealing your theme for the year. <laughs> year of no. But I want to get to eight and nine, because eight and nine is, okay, you tell me how to do this, right? You've won me over. I would like to live this third option, but tell me how to do it. Number eight, principle number eight is negotiating the third option. Learn how to strategically ask for what you want. It goes back to dreaming. Like, imagine if your life didn't have to look the way that it looks now. Imagine if you really could have your autonomy, your freedom, and focus your time where you want to be spending it. And it was financially sustainable to do that. And that's the key. It seems like a luxury, but you really cannot trade your health and well-being and the, I don't know, enjoyment of your family for any monetary yeah. amount. So do you have to pay your bills? Yes, obviously. But I think I mentioned earlier, I took a 50% pay cut to start this company because I believed in it so much mm. that we didn't go into debt for. Mm. 
And so my point is, there's a way to make it work. You just have to decide to do it and then be... And it's going to take some creativity and some work. Mm -hmm. And I would even say, if you're the type of person who finds yourself looking for other people to rescue you all the time, (laughs) you're never going to make this work. No, you You, have... You've got to learn the skill set of saying, well, what if I just did it? Yeah. Right? You're betting on yourself. Yeah. And I've seen so many women do this. I'm thinking of my friend Alita. Hopefully she's listening right now. Hi, Alita. Alita went through a tough divorce, Mm -hmm. two kids. She was a stay-at-home mom. And now she's suddenly going, I don't know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. So she sat around, wrote down her skills, what she's good at. She was decently good, an amateur painter. She would sell paintings. I mean, she'd sell paintings for like 200 bucks. How are you going to pay for kids, right? How are you going to have to? She decided, well... I took a trip to Italy once. I really loved it. I'm going to charge a bunch of moms to go with me to Italy and look at paintings. And then she found a guide, (laughs) Father something. He was a priest who knew a lot about art. And they had the time of their lives. And then she started going almost every month. And then she said, you know what? These women love painting. I know a little about painting. I'm going to open up a little school. And I'm just going to have these middle-aged moms come in. And they're going to pay me to teach them to paint. She's raking it. She's killing it. You're kidding no, me. No, three years later. I love this. Isn't that random? Yes. She's awesome. But there's so many of her out there. We just don't know it. Well, and you know, she's creative. And she, you know, she's an ambitious personality. That yeah. helps. But it takes a little creative to go, okay, what am I good at? What would the dream life look like? If you could make money doing anything that you want. We have another gal who just joined the podcast. You'll be hearing from her soon. Super ambitious. Just graduated from Oxford. An amazing gal. And I said, okay. You're pretty connected, and you have a great personality. You'd be our first correspondent. Hmm. We just heard today she got Ariana Huffington. Is nice. going to be on the podcast. You know, so I think what a lot of people don't realize, especially a lot of moms don't realize, you are very valuable to corporate America. Mm-hmm. There's something that you have that we can use to build whatever we're trying to build, to make more money, and to accomplish our goals. And if we think in categories, like, well, I can either be a secretary, or I can either be a salesperson, or I can either be that, it's probably not helpful. And I would love somebody coming to me saying, Don, it sounds like these are your goals. I thought of this way to help you achieve those, and I could do this. And I would sit there and go, let's crunch the numbers on this. Yeah, we just have to ask. Yeah, yeah. We just have to put it out there. And propose. I mean, be the one who proposes. This would be good for your – and you're going to get a lot of no's, but you just need one yes. Yeah, and it can't – all be about you like if you're gonna propose something to your employer like hey you know, oh, i'm working they, this yeah, job if and you I don't w- start with their goals it's a non-starter <laughs> exactly it is you a, have to yeah, have already a, proven <laughs> yourself too well you also yeah and that's the final point here reigniting your skills so you know you're negotiating this and you need to be good mm-hmm. you need to be good at it right 90 percent of the women who leave the workforce to focus on their families whether it's to stay home with children for a season of time, or maybe you have to care for aging parents. That's more and more a reality that we're facing. 90% of those women want to come back at some point Hmm, to working. And so they end up off-ramping and on-ramping, and during that time, things have changed. You know, business moves quickly. Technology changes all the time. And so what if they didn't have to completely off-ramp? Yeah. What if they could just craft a third option that worked for them in that season of time that they didn't have to completely disengage. You know, one of our team members, I kind of stole this reigniting your skills term from her. She said when she left working, didn't expect to, had a baby, fell in love, decided to stay home, classic story, right? What she missed is that her professional, the side of her brain turned off. And when she went back into working, 
she was able to reignite her skills. And mm. I just thought that was so beautiful because the truth is they don't go away. Right. You know, they're not gone. They're just dormant. Yeah. And so I think if there's a way that women can really be intentional about keeping those skills turned on, but just looking at them differently and finding a different way to live that out, I think there'd be a lot more happiness. There would the be. The book is called The Third Option, Why a Woman Doesn't Have to Choose Between Her Career and Family but Can Actually Have Both and Succeed. If this conversation has been interesting to you, make sure you pick up the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you buy books. Shannon Miles, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for coming by. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. There you go. I think that story is so courageous and so bold, and I think it's hopefully becoming more and more common. I love it because a lot of people do feel stuck. They feel stuck, and it's like there's only two options for me. And she said, "No, there's a third option." Here, yeah, and the and truth is, it herself, like, really went after it and created herself, right, to get the life she wanted for her family and for her kids. Yeah, the truth is, there's three options, four options, five options. Exactly. You know, it's just yeah. we're so stuck in binary thinking. Yeah, I'm either going to do this or that. We talked to Tim Arnold about that recently. Yeah, yeah. There are other things that you can do. You can even be an entrepreneur. Yeah. There's just so much. And so, Shannon, thank you so much for giving us your time. Next week, Bob Goff. Dun, 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 dun. Unbelievably, <laughs> we're like on episode 90 or something like that, yeah. and we've never interviewed Bob. I know. And he is, if you don't know who Bob Goff is, he wrote a book called Love Does that was on the New York Times forever, and he's got one coming out really soon called Everybody Always. He is all the rest of the fireworks going off at once. Yes. That's the, the only way. Finale. He's the grand finale <laughs> when the symphony's going crazy and everything's going off. I met Bob 10 plus years ago, maybe 15, kayaking 50 miles from the nearest road. I was 50 miles into the Princess Louisa Inlet outside of Vancouver, BC with a group of friends, and a guy had dynamited the side of a mountain and built a beautiful lodge. He built that lodge there because world leaders would come and negotiate peace treaties with him. He's yeah, a lawyer. That's all. That's they would all. negotiate peace Just treaties world with leaders, peace treaties, with each no other. Yeah, <laughs> but he would negotiate them, and yeah. he has no authority to do so. <laughs> yes, he's a construction lawyer out of San Diego. <laughs> One morning, he told me he walked out onto the deck of his lodge, and there was a Canadian battleship with guns pointed at his lodge <laughs> because he had some people there who maybe not should have been, been in the country. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's one of the most oh, eccentric people I've ever encountered in my entire life. Yeah, he is the consul from Uganda to America, yeah. not the American consul to Uganda as an American. As an American and a non-Ugandan citizen, yeah, he, he is, is the consul, consul from back. Uganda back to <laughs> America. How he pulled that off. Only Last Bob. I heard, there was a piece of paper on President Museveni's desk that would make, the parliament had to approve this apparently, but that would make Bob a member of the Ugandan Supreme Court. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I would seriously not doubt it at all. With yeah, him. I get text messages. Last, uh, yeah, what I, was the last text? Well, message? I got, I've gotten a lot since then. But he had just flown over El Shabat, I think, a terrorist organization in Somalia, and landed a plane into the group of people that they were surrounding, full of food. food and, yeah. <laughs> it was like there's pictures of him delivering food in the middle of a terrorist organization. It's like, yeah. what are you doing, Bob? Oh, it's Tuesday, so I'm... <laughs> yeah. There was another one years ago, my favorite encounters ever. He encountered a very, very terrible story, traumatic story. A young kid had been abducted by a witch doctor. His genitalia had been cut off in a ceremony, but he lived. And the story ends with the witch doctor in prison, Bob starting a school for other witch doctors so they could learn to read the Bible. 
and the kid at Cedar Sinai outside of L.A. getting entire new anatomy by the only guy in the world who can actually do that. You know, on and on and on, yeah. these stories. I wanted to talk to Bob about business. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about these crazy stories, but I wanted to talk to him about how you operate as a businessman. He ran a law firm for years. And so I want to know, hey, somebody as eccentric and creative as you, what are your business principles? Yeah. And we sort of got there. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't fully get there, but we sort of got there. You'll have yeah. to hear for yourself because it's a wild and zany interview. Anyway, here's a little tease you don't want to miss next week. Here's something from my conversation with Bob. It and I'm not a strategist in terms of like I burned all the daytimers a long time ago, but I have some really capable people around me that are very organized and they're doing those things. But at my request, they only tell me today, tomorrow, and the next day. But, By choice, you want and yeah. that helps you live in the moment. That's an exercise. I mean, you're it makes me 100% right here. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm not thinking about what happened earlier today. I'm just right here. And I think that could be helpful to the, the leaders that are out there, to people to know they're actually 100% with you. I think what we do sometimes is become in proximity to people, but we're not actually present. All right, so I think that's going to be one of our most downloaded uh, his episodes His voice is ever. just a big hug to my soul. <laughs> like is, it just... He's a giant hug. <laughs> yeah. Don't miss my conversation with Bob Goff. If you've not subscribed to the Building a Story Run podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe today. That way it automatically comes. Also, we want to say a shout-out yeah. to the Miles family, Brian and Shannon Miles, Shannon yeah. we just interviewed, but also their kids. Yeah, we love the parents, but we also... <laughs> we love the kids <laughs> the more. Kids. Yeah, we might. Harper and Rainey. Harper and Rainey. Now, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Right now, Brian yeah. and Shannon are going to gather the kids around you know, the kitchen uh-huh. table, and they're going to say, look, Don and JJ gave you a shout-out, and we want to say all sorts of wonderful things because we enjoyed, we were able to go stay in their home for a minute yeah. and meet the kids. Let me make that backfire on Brian and Shannon. Rainey, your mom just wrote a book about being co-CEO of a company. There's this company called Story Brand that in about 20 years will need your talents <laughs> to be CEO. And there's another company called Belay Solutions that will try to <laughs> take those talents from us. But your first request yeah. came we're, we're, from, from Story podcast, Brand. Right now, we are saying we 20 have, years from now. Dibs? Is it dibs, dibs on the first interview? We got dibs. We got dibs on the Miles family talent yeah. Prodigy that are coming up goes for you too, Harper. We're gonna steal you from your parents in the nicest possible way. Yes, with love. With love. (laughs) All right, music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or iTunes today. Thanks as always for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.